Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 320 Club podcast. Why is it called the 320 Club? Well, 420 was already taken, and happy hour is happening somewhere else. Okay, so this is technically a wee dram and a direct continuation of our last dram series, So-Called Civilized. But in this one, Cognac and I stayed on topic for so long that I decided to make it kind of a standalone episode. We talked mostly about music, but we also talked about what art could mean, and I received a particularly hard lesson. Enjoy. We, we had actually, we actually had a, um, we had a good uh, music talk. I was gonna bring it up, but I wasn't sure if you wanted to hear me ramble on and prattle on about music. I don't care about music. I just care about how music makes you feel and what music makes you want to do. If that makes sense. Okay. We talked earlier about just driving and the importance of a driving playlist. <laughs> Whiskey sending me messages right now. Good way to ruin $800. Mine was $1,200. Oh, he's talking about the rumbas. <laughs> the rumbas, sorry. <laughs> oh. R- Roomba Pong. He's like, good way to ruin $800. <laughs> yeah, this is true. <clears throat> you can get off market Roombas is true fuck that's funny um yeah music uh and how it makes you feel i don't know how to explain how music makes me feel because i don't think anybody can truly explain it it can't let me explain classical music and i actually wrote this down when i was um engaging in the devil's lettuce the other day uh What did I write? Shit, I have it here. Hang on a sec. Give me two seconds. Music. I wrote it down. Um, I've been on a serious classical music kick, and if our listeners, especially those who are listening from, uh, who have seen from Facebook, some of the posts that I've been putting down, like, it's late at night, the kids are down, have a little bit of Gershwin or Beethoven on us. I've been on a serious, serious classical kick lately. And, I mean, if it's not your thing, that's fine. I'm going to start posting other stuff from different genres and different time periods. Here's the thing. Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing. When I listen to classical music, um, especially if I got a good set of headphones on and I've got, you know, a little bit of uh, liquor in me or perhaps even some marijuana, I have like I have images of the symphony standing around me as if I'm the conductor, which makes sense because if you think about it, like logistically, the microphone is actually placed right by the conductor that's where a lot of the sound collection is actually going towards so i'm i'm a music guy and i actually know where all the instruments are supposed to be which is actually kind of cool to me like i know where the flutes are i know the violas i know where front the clarinets left. are i know where the bassoons flutes are go. front left right generally speaking what's that flutes are generally yeah. front left yeah yeah i'm trying to think of the last orchestra i was at front left is flutes yeah if you're pianos to the far far left 
Yes, piano is usually way off, uh, off yeah. to your far left, because usually it's a it's a point where they want to put a soloist to have them stand out, right? Or you'll have your lead violinist off to your, uh, is it your immediate, I think it's your immediate right, you might have that. Anyway, so, like, I, I when I'm listening to classical music, especially on a good set of headphones, I feel the origin point for uh, for where they where that that point that uh, instrument is coming from, even where the fucking I think it's I can't. <laughs> here's the thing, <clears throat> I even know where those big fucking uh, horizontal drums are. I don't, you know, I'm a music guy and I don't know the uh, name of the fucking. You drum. know what? It kills me because my buddy's dating uh, an orchestral drummer and that's her entire section. Like she runs back and forth through them. <laughs> I can't yeah. remember the name. So she also has like a million xylophones. I yeah. I know they all have different names. I just it's, call them bigger and bigger xylophones it's like the tom tom or some shit like that but here's the thing everyone knows drummers are the dumb ones and the only one who knows the names of their fucking instruments is the fucking percussionists okay so um where was i going this uh inside inside jokes it doesn't matter um so what I think about is like when I'm listening to all that music, that's how I'm absorbing it. I'm absorbing it from the point of view of I'm the actual conductor and I'm just sitting there absorbing all this sound in. And I'm like an idiot, especially if I've, you know, had too much to drink. I'll start waving my hands with the tempo as if I'm the actual conductor of the music. It's it's very revealing of my personality. I apologize you have to sit through this. But I also imagine somebody like Beethoven getting high and playing on his piano and scribbling songs out on parchment with a pencil and then waking up later and then having to correct his work. It's just like, I don't know, it's... it's well, I, I Beethoven, have all these... Beethoven was deaf, so he wouldn't have corrected anything until he tried to play it. <laughs> well, he didn't get he didn't start getting deaf until later on in his career, after a few symphonies at least, if I if I remember the history correctly. But anyway, I just <clears throat> that's the kind of things that uh, those are the kind of feelings that get brought out, especially with classical music. But I mean, there's other been there's been other highlights where I rem- I have you get memories that are formed when you're listening to a specific piece of music. Like I remember listening to revolution by the Beatles. Um, and it just like instantly cheered me up as I was going for a drive, um, in uh, new Brunswick. Like it was just, it was just one of those things. It was, I don't know when I used to work out in uh, new Brunswick. Well, there's, there's, um, there's something to be said for, feeling something so the john spencer blues explosion song uh bell bottoms right yeah edgar Edgar wright heard that the director edgar wright heard that song years and years and years and years and years ago million to years ago and he had always wanted to film a car chase set to that movie uh, set to that song and from there came the amazing, if you haven't seen it, please watch it, musical uh, Baby Driver, which unfortunately was uh, stars Kevin Spacey and was released about a month after all the stuff about him came out. So 
uh, it didn't do terribly well at the box office. But um, the very first chase scene is the song Bell Bottoms, and uh, Edgar Wright had always like wanted to, to to film a chase of that scene, and it is a great driving song. It is, it is um, so amazing is. driving song. If you haven't heard it, please listen to it. It's Spotify. It'll take you two seconds or YouTube, whatever. I'll, uh, I'll share it in. I'll share it in the in the thing. It is a phenomenal song. It just um, starts off with this awesome garage band. I love dun, dun. that. Fucking good. Yeah, it's amazing. It's 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 very few lyrics, um, which is fine. Um, and, but like uh, what uh, what whiskey they're talking about about um, orchestral music. I love me some orchestral music. You mean rocks? Don't ever confuse me with whiskey. Oh yes. He wouldn't. He wouldn't let you do it. <laughs> I apologize. I'm so used to correcting him on using real names um, that that I had forgotten. I apologize for that. Yeah. Um, I've been wrong before. <sighs> Twice now since I was three. Um, but uh, so so like orchestral music is just like. You can take, okay, take, I don't know, what's an identifiable orchestral piece for people? I, I'm, I'm a Mozart and a Bach guy, but... Beethoven's okay, take, Fifth. Take, Everyone uh, knows Beethoven's Fifth. They probably da, 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 da. do. Well, well take, take Hans Zimmer's uh, Jurassic Park, right? Mm. Listening, listening to that... Hans Zimmer didn't do Jurassic Park, okay? That, that was John Hans Williams. Zimmer. Oh, it was John Williams, you're right. And you are correct. And second I, I of all, correctly. we don't talk about Three Hans times. Zimmer. Three times since I was. Hans Zimmer is an overrated composer. Okay, but you're you're, dilu- you're, di- you're diluting my point. Yes. Okay. We'll get to more on that whiskey, later. To quote whiskey, he is overrated and he's not terribly good. Although the soundtrack of Gladiator was quite good. Um, but yeah, John Williams is Jurassic Park. Okay. Put on Jurassic Park. Gladiator like, is a ripoff. What? Anyway, keep going with your point. Put on the Jurassic Park soundtrack at like. The, the the title song, you know, the one everyone knows, um, at like eighty percent volume or whatever your neighbors will tolerate, neighbors and or wife and or children will tolerate, and like I don't know, do the dishes, right? There's something about orchestral music that can make everything you are doing feel epic. Oh, for sure, epic, totally. And I I, I promise you, if you have Jurassic Park or or uh, Mozart's Magic Flute, or uh, Beethoven's Fifth on, you will not accomplish doing the dishes without your hands raising above your shoulders at least once to do your composer bit. You know, when you flip the sticks around, but you're not holding yeah. the sticks. It won't, it, it just, it's impossible. It will not happen. And this is why this music was so popular for so long, is because it, in it, 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 instills feeling within you whether or not you want it nobody in the history of the world can truly honestly say <clears throat> classical orchestric music or orchestric music or orchestra music in general is boring they might say it if that's all if they've only ever listened to their dad listen to bach in the car but the fact is you hear it in every movie um, that sets the entire tone of a scene and it affects you subconsciously whether or not you know it. Music has a profound impact on people's lives. 
there's um I don't know if you're interested in listening to it. Um, it's a okay nerd alert warning. There's oh, a from you. Come on. There's it, a as soon as you open your mouth, it's nerd alert. Yeah, thank you. There's a uh, a podcast called Rebel Force Radio, and it's obviously a Star Wars podcast. I'm not interested. But no, I'm not talking about. For just listen, if you're interested in if you're interested in um, professional composers and professional people actually talking about how music is composed and how it's structured and everything, especially within movies, listen to the. Uh, Star Wars Oxygen series within Rebel Force Radio. No, no, no like it. Don't get me wrong. Like it's, it's actually really well done. Let me explain. Um, what they do is they end up deconstructing orchestral pieces from John Williams from the Star Wars movies, and it's actually brilliant how he puts them together. It's not just like it's it, it, there's there's a method to the madness, like the the way that things are actually put together. It's it's actually really well done. For example, you, I don't know if you remember. Okay, so there's a couple of there's a couple of uh, Star Wars music or John Williams music in particular is very theme based. It's all theme. Like everyone knows da 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 da. Like that's that's not just the Star Wars theme. That's actually been referred to as Luke Skywalker's theme. So every time Luke Skywalker does something cool, you hear that music, right? Every time you see Leia on the screen, it's da 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 da. You hear that music because she's on screen. So it's what it's doing is it's the music is actually giving the they have actually they've given it a technical term. They're giving oxygen to the um, uh, to the to the pictures on the screen. You think um, the way that George Lucas explained it was that Star Wars movies are actually like silent film. He really wanted to convey the idea of it being silent film because what were silent films? They didn't have they didn't have recording equipment to be able to record people's speech. Therefore, people could only listen. They, they could only understand the emotion what was happening on camera through the music that was being played as the background. So that's why they were until talkies came out. That's why silent film was such a big thing. Are you sending me a message or is this something else? Somebody. Oh, else? I, I, I sent I sent you a message. Um, I'm just disappointed you're proving my point in the least sexually attractive manner possible. What are you talking about? Star Wars. Whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm talking about orchestral pieces. But that's the thing. That's where orchestras and that's where composed music of that nature has evolved towards. It's evolved towards storytelling of a very specific nature rather than, you know, mainstream music, which is a totally different thing, right? And not wrong either. Um, I was actually having a debate. Um, oh, this had to be about three months ago now, maybe more. It was cold, but that's just Quebec. It was before isolation. So what was that, seven years ago? Um, before COVID um, with a girl who was telling me that no modern music has any value because that's not none true of, at all. Because none of them write their own songs. Which is partially broadly true. Broadly speaking, generally true. Partially uh, true. Because none of, none of them write their own songs, and it's all quote unquote pop music. And I was like, okay, so what music do you like? And I'm going to probably offend you here, Rox, and possibly some of the listeners. She was like, well, 
Pink Floyd. I was like, in my opinion, Pink Floyd is subjectively terrible. I cannot stand Pink Floyd. Really? I, under, I can understand the artistic merit within it, but mm-hmm. I do not enjoy it. It doesn't speak to me. It goes on for 17 years as long as COVID is going to, and nothing ever gets accomplished. Um, but then I was really? like, what about, but I, I hate it. I hate Pink Floyd. And so you're what, not going to okay. convince it. I'm, Let me finish my thought here. But so I Once was like, you okay, finish first, your thought, explain to me why like, you don't like Pink Floyd. Okay, I was like, firstly, uh, girl, you're 20, so Pink Floyd was long dead before this ever like arrived. Um, and she's like, well, okay, um, Nirvana. I was like, yeah, okay, good, good grunge band. Yeah, I can understand that. I was like, but are you saying that the only true musicians are those that write their own music? She's like, yeah. I was like, and pop has no value artistically or otherwise whatsoever. She's like, correct. I was like, well, what about the Beatles? They were considered pop rock. What yeah, about they were. what about Elton John? We <laughs> never wrote a single one of his songs lyrics. He wrote the music to them, but he never wrote the lyrics. Yeah. You know, and Elton John, like, if you, if, you, if if you're gonna tell me Elton John's not a rock star, you don't know what a rock star is. Yeah. Um, and, and she just had no answer to it, but her she was in this and this is the same problem I have with the art world uh, Frank Sinatra uh, for fuck's sake was pop rock if you think about it literally anyone who all pop means is is popular is popular yes it's not a musical style it's is popular we've stopped using the term R&B that we used in the 90s and started just referring to it all as pop but it's not all pop some of it's electronic some of it's house some of it's techno some of it's you know Folk, yeah. Uh, Mumford and Sons is like it's semi bluegrass because it's you know? super popular, but it's definitely yeah. got influences in in British. Uh, Taylor Swift came from a country grass. style to yeah. to go into a a pop country. You know, like yeah. we use the word pop to dilute the artistic merit of a genre because it's too popular, it's too mainstream, um, and I get some of the reasons why I can understand it. But that's but the it's thing the same, about it's the same felt. it's the same reason I, I have an issue with the art world and why I've never truly really gotten into art or literature. It's because it's so fucking snobbish. Like I'm not a huge fan of American literature. Really? Partly is. mostly because American literature doesn't include such such authors as Neil Gaiman or Stephen King, which I would argue in the last forty years at least have done more for American literature than if it if it was written post nineteen forty, it's not literature as far as American literature is concerned. Art's the same thing. Art argues video games can't be art. I disagree. If I movies disagree. can be, then video games can be. Art argues that a car cannot be art. And I asked them, have you ever seen an Aston Martin DBS? That is art. That is a piece of art. But they're they're so snobbishly exclusive in what they consider something. Well, there has to be some kind of there has to be some kind of threshold because otherwise anybody who farts is considered art, right? Like Well, that's the problem. That's the problem. But there has to be a threshold for what is to be considered art and what isn't. But we just have to figure out what our criteria are. And most, a lot of people's criteria is based on a very, very, very narrow, limited field of view that, like, is completely discriminatory to 
anything that anybody works their ass off to fucking produce yeah. that is, is something that the, they're passionate about. I was passionate the, about. The, the, uh, the art museum in Stockholm, and there was literally, and, I, and, I, and I'm saying this, and someone's going to think I'm facetious, and if you want access to my Instagram story archives, uh, DM me, bro, but you don't know who I am, so it ain't going to happen. <laughs> I was literally at a museum uh, in Stockholm, Modern Art Museum, and there was a uh, white patio chair, okay? Like your standard issue $15 fucking patio chair from Walmart right. taped off on the floor. And I yeah, asked the curator, and I asked him? in a room, and I asked the curator, why is that chair taped off? Like, is it covering up a wet floor? He's like, no, that's this exhibit. And there was a, a fucking so – I wish I could access the archive to tell you the name. It was the most pretentious art title in the history of the universe. Um, it, it. Oh, my God. I'm going to – okay. You go on about a, a marathon session and a rant about why Pink Floyd is good, and I'm going to try and access my old Instagram archives to find this picture. I mean, I don't need and to I go on a marathon rant, but I'll just to indulge you, I'll, I mean – Pink Floyd is a symptom of the 60s and 70s, when you think about it. They were experimenting with all kinds of different drugs and stuff, um, especially Sid Barrett when, you know, when he was one of the original founding members of the, the group. It's, all it was, it was just a bunch of, like, nerdy kids who just, shit, they were good at their crafts, their trade, which was playing guitars and experimenting with different sounds. Because I think that was a big thing that was going on, too. It wasn't just, like, creating songs, but they were experimenting in sound. If you don't believe me, go listen to... Uh, I can't remember the name of the tune, but it's one of, one of from one of their first albums. It's about... Uh, it's in the Doctor Strange movie, if you <laughs> fucking believe me. Um, but it's it, it references all that kind of shit. Anyway, the idea is that... Um, they were very good at just sound experimentation, figuring out how the new technology that was coming about with in terms of recording, recording sound, they were able to take it and just go to town with it and just fucking pick it apart and put it back together in different ways. And that's that was something that was very ingenious about groups like Pink Floyd. Genesis is another one that comes to mind. Um, I can't I can't think of any others. That really, really, truly experimented the way that those two in particular did. But you go, you listen. Uh, what the other thing that they ended up doing that was actually different from other groups was that they they understood the idea of experimenting with sound. But then you had a guy like Roger Waters who basically became kind of like the dickish headman of the group and only wants things done his way. From if you understand some of the background, he he was a master of showmanship, despite being very anti-establishment, very politically engaged, uh, and have a very having a very political mind. And if you don't believe me, like his critique on society uh, with the animal with the album Animals uh, is it's case in point of that. Um, like when you talk about a guy like Roger Waters, he's just a brilliant showman. So you you have this combination of experimenting with sound editing, uh, you know, 
binded together with uh, professional people who are very good at, you have Dave Gilmore, who is very good on guitar. And, and then you have somebody like Roger Waters, who just knows how to tell a really good story and knows how to put a show together. And if you don't believe me, go watch, I think it's 1989's The Wall. So it was a live film broadcast of, they did a concert of The Wall. Um, Pink Floyd's The Wall, the famous uh, album. And they did it in Berlin at, after the fall of the Berlin Wall. So it's actually a really cool story. With it. If you ever go and check out that concert, they had like all kinds of guests. They had like, uh, oh, who's they have? They had the guitarist from Canada. Okay, give me, give me, let me finish this last bit. Oh my God, it's been seven minutes. What was his name? It's not seven minutes. I haven't been going on for seven minutes. Yeah, you have. What's his name? Uh, Brian Adams. He was a, he played guitar in that in that concert. You had Van Morrison uh, perform there. I think Cindy Lauper was there as well. Yeah. Anyway, it's pretty cool. Again, it doesn't float my boat, but it I under I can appreciate the artistic merit in it. Is what I was saying earlier. You're so you just don't like the sound of the band, or what? Yeah, I, just, I just don't like it. I just don't like their style. If you All look right. in, uh, if you look in the three twenty club, um, so you can back me up. If you look in the three twenty twenty club messenger group, you're going to see a picture of uh, the exhibit of a literally a chair taped off in the middle middle of the floor. I'm talking about. Have you Should seen have it? Been an artist. Yes, I'm seeing this, and there's a crate in front of it. Yeah, you know what the title was. Should and have my, been an artist. No, my Instagram story from 8 September 2019. Anyone? Oh, what's it? the title of it? Uh, I I said, and the award for most pretentious art title goes to. This is the tar- title of this piece you're looking at right now, Rocks. It's by Astrid Spangren, 1972, Swedish. The title is In Original Violet, Influence Transparent, Feeling emerald, affected by honey yellow, worker bee, under influence of chestnut red, singing pastel dust. What the fuck? Uh, plastic and wood acquired 2017. Right? What? I right? don't get it. I don't That's get it. That's the title of the piece. Neither did I. I wish I could share you, because you don't have Instagram. If you did, I would share with you the actual video of me with just like that video starts with like me just with a raised eyebrow and then like kicking over to it. Okay, I see. What the actual fuck is this? (sighs) That's not art. (laughs) I mean... Um, allegedly it is. It's a famous art exhibit since the 70s, I guess. Okay, so we talked earlier about what should we set as our definitions and criteria for art, right? But that you cannot. And this is why I have a problem. And actually, your statement about this not being art, and actually, it's based off my facetiousness about that exhibit anyway. No, but I actually have a uh, reason for saying why it's not art. But no, no. But you 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 can't necessarily say that because in my Sorry, opinion, art is anything that makes anyone feel something. This is my problem with art snobs that declare what is and is not art or literature or real music is they discount that it makes people feel a certain way. No, I think there's a component of art that 
isn't discussed often, and it's that controversial. It's it's a question, and the question is is this is how how I feel, or it's this is how this thing has made me feel, and this is the product I'm exerting or excreting as a result of my feelings. Yeah, right? well, maybe maybe my maybe my thing, feelings thing, are that your whole art movement is bullshit. So I'm going to put a fucking plastic chair in the mil- middle of a floor, and that's how I feel. And now it's art, and I got paid a million and a half euros to put it there. Hey, it's it's no different than much other art and classical paintings that, that are massive person- fuck used to the establishment. So you think that the person putting a fucking plastic dollar store lawn chair in the middle of a fucking basketball court is Maybe. just being a cynical cunt? Maybe what they're trying to say is y'all motherfuckers will pay and find meaning in anything, you stupid cunts. I, I read that title and I look at that chair and there is no possible way that person is serious. It cannot possibly be serious because... Firstly, the words read like a stroke victim. And secondly, none of them have anything to do with a white fucking chair. So then so that's I think I think the artistic merit in that is the massive fuck you to the artistic world. I don't know, man. I think I think I think I should have put a plastic chair in the fucking Stockholm Museum before they did. Actually, that was Copenhagen. Sorry. I think I should put a massive the fucking fact plastic that that, chair there first. There's okay. I'm. It's okay for art to come from a place of cynicism. Understandable, because it often happens. Just look at John Lennon for fuck's sakes. Uh, His Van whole Go, cynic- um, Any, Anybody who's trying to say uh, fuck Andy you to the Warhol. System. Andy oh, Warhol. Andy yeah. Warhol's famous. He's a picture of fucking Campbell Soup. Yes, but there's an. I I I have to there's believe a fuck that there's the establishment. No, there's. It's okay to have a fuck you to the establishment. What it's not okay is to exploit the establishment for your own personal gain. Fuck you. Why not? Uh, are that's you? Are where, you, I think that's fuck where. You, I, why not? Fuck let you, me why not? try. Can you shut the fuck up for two no. seconds? I am trying to explain how. Like I'm. I'm actually. I'm trying to. Uh, fuck, I'm trying to build this thought as it's coming out of my oh. mouth right now, okay? So just understand that. <laughs> sorry, what you're I'm roxing getting, it, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Yes, I am, I am. What I'm trying to get at is that that seems to come from a place... <sighs> you want that thing to benefit others. You want that piece of art. The reason why it's every, anyone can really create art... The people who are considered to be artists are the ones who actually choose to display that for the entire world to see. And there's a reason they did that. They did that to explain their feelings to people who will listen or watch. And they did that in a way that that it, it will benefit, benefit them in the long run, but that's not their goal. Right, their goal is to just get those get those fucking feelings out there and see if anybody else responds back and see if it makes them feel something else. The goal is not personal gain necessarily, although it helps. 
right? When I see somebody put a fucking, like, when I see John Lennon talk about, say, you want a revolution, yeah, yeah, he's just fucking mad, and he just wants to go back to, he, he's doing a couple things. He's angry at the fucking U.S. government, uh, and he's also angry at the fact that I just want to go back to play fucking rock and roll, man. That's all I got into this for. And so he goes and does a, just a standard fucking 12-bar blues, and and just goes straight off, goes way off, and just and just starts yelling into the microphone. And he didn't. He was already famous at that point. He didn't give a fuck about the money. All he cared about was this is how I feel. I'm throwing that out into the world. How does that make you feel? Right. That's what he's going at. When I see somebody put a fucking dollar store lawn chair in the middle of a basket ba- basketball court. Uh, in front of a fucking milk crate what i'm seeing is somebody who's so cynical of the system but they see they see an exploitative uh interjection that will only benefit them it's like you pretentious fucks are so fucking stupid that you'll believe anything is art that if i put this here you'll give me a million dollars and i just fucking won the game of business so you're an artist but not for putting that shit there uh, you're an artist. You're an artist because you're an artist because you're a fucking smart business person and you're cynical enough and honest enough to or dishonest enough to believe that people are gonna buy into that shit. I think it's art, and you know why? Go for it. Because it just made you feel something. Outrage. No, you are the one who made me feel something, not that fucking chair. <laughs> eh, if you hadn't seen that chair, you wouldn't know what I was talking about. It just made you feel outrage. No, you made me feel outrage. I mean, I always make you feel outrage, though. <sighs> if I take those final thoughts that I was just spewing off at light speed, if I was to take that whole thing to its logical conclusion, I would say, congrats, man, you fucking won. And I feel more shame for the people that paid you a million dollars than for you actually getting that. I wish so you maybe, 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 maybe you are an artist because there is such a thing as a con artist. Yes. <sighs> and and frankly, it's um, it's it's unfortunate because it's illegal. Um, but there is, but an is. Art in a, there is an art in a con. So I'm totally contradicting myself, but the uh, anything can don't be don't uh, kids don't let, let, any kids that are listening uh, you little cunts uh, don't uh, don't become con artists you will end up in jail but, uh, but, but before you end up, it. <laughs> but before you end up in jail you might end up marrying Anne Hathaway remember that one no her husband a few years a few years ago a decade ago maybe uh was like the prince of monaco or something allegedly but he was a con artist no way i did not yeah look it up it's hilarious interesting and if you've ever seen anne hathaway 10 years ago kids uh yeah oh yeah she still looks great holy shit does she got good she's over 40 now I don't care. Fuck that. I don't date over 25. Ugh. <sighs> Fucking. <laughs> Fuck. nothing to say. <laughs> oh, shit. 
Do you want? Do you want? Are we wrapping this music discussion up, or do we want to keep? Oh, like well, we okay. can wrap the music discussion up and go on to a full on like. But I, I'm super passionate about music now. Uh, you got me in it. You brought me into this hole. You're gonna have to dig you me got, out. You, you gotta. <laughs> you gotta give me something I can work with comedy wise. Ah, that's why you bring me on for the wee drams. I'm the no, you just relief. wanted to hear me go off on a tangent. That's what the whole purpose of this was. That's no, what no, was. that was definitely that was definitely that was definitely a, a goal of mine. <laughs> and it happened thrice, and I was sleepy throughout. Ah, uh, your I... tangents are is they're like. <laughs> Please they're finish not this overly entertaining but they're like rocks about to drop some knowledge on the two things he knows stuff about <laughs> <laughs> and the one thing he thinks he knows about but is in fact just like spouting just like everyone vitriol. else yeah. vitriol sorry <laughs> <coughs> oh, Don't let me funny. get you started on lawyers reunions. I I, I have a very fucking. <laughs> I don't have a very tactile <laughs> working knowledge <laughs> on any of those things. Well, tactile means you can feel it with your fingers. That's what I'm. Tactile. That's what I'm getting. Like a physical. Oh. I don't. I have very little actual knowledge on those things. Oh man, I love. I use, you. I use the right word. You you know like some things about stuff, and I mean frankly, like okay, let's be honest. What's the three twenty club about? Bar discussions, right? How often do you cut off a buddy in a bar when he's talking about something he knows? Very rarely. If you do it, it's by buying a round because you're bored. Hmm. Right. Okay. Like, 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 let somebody like, here's my life theory is that everyone's a geek about something, right? Yeah. People love to make fun of the Dungeons and Dragons nerds or the Lord of the Rings nerds or the whatever nerds. Everyone's a nerd about something. If you follow sports religiously, you're a sports nerd. You know, if you play fantasy football, if you, if, if you, if you tune cars, you're a car nerd. For like, sure. Everyone's a nerd about something. Everyone, just, sorry, a geek, a geek about something. Just, um, just like, uh, just like, and anything, any, anyone can be an artist, or you can make, yeah. you can have art about anything. Yes, no, I totally get it. Passionate about something, and fucking fair play to them. I as like your as, comment as about as, geeks versus nerds. By the way, I just want to throw that yeah, in there. Yeah, geeks. Sorry, geeks. I, I was, I, I use nerd as a derogatory term. Um, I use nerd as a. The Brits have a. The Brits have I a hold great nerds term. to a high standard. Yeah, but the Brits have a great term. They have a term we don't have, and it's a boffin. A boffin is like an egghead, like someone that knows how something works. Like they'll talk about how like this engine was designed by boffins. Like they're like, they're like above a nerd. <laughs> you know, they're 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 boffin. I wonder a what boffin. that means. Got it, something to do with a hat, maybe. <laughs> I don't know why they say it, but boffins are like super smart people. Like Stephen Hawking is a boffin in in Britain. Well, I thought we had a term. We had a term like Poindexter. I mean, yeah, but it's used generally derogatorily. Yeah. For them, it's not. I suppose. 
Oh, it's they not just, used. A, it's not no, used it's as just, a It just means type. a really smart dude in something, and or, they or actually check. provide something of value to other people because that's the thing that has to be the key criteria, right? Hmm. Because they yeah. actually provide something of value to other people. So let me say to the. Sorry, listeners, what? for every speech that I've ever gone through, by the way. <laughs> Let me say to the one teenager that possibly listens to this who struggles with the fact that he's a D&D nerd or a... Or a um, uh, Fucking uh, love that shit, man. Give her, bro. As long yeah. as your nerdism isn't um, sex trafficking or, um, yeah. you know, uh, cannibalism. <laughs> Yeah. Have at her. As long as you're not hurting anybody, like, fucking pursue it, man. Like, um, I wish people were as passionate about things as nerds are about what they are. It's always inconsequential. It's like Star Trek. Who gives a shit? But they do, and they love that, and they make costumes and, like, whatever, man. If that's what, if that's what makes you, you happy. Know, you, you know you, why You know why they enjoy that stuff? You know why people enjoy anything, like, the, in that there's way? Another, there's a whole community of them that enjoy it. Well, yes, it's not just that, but it's also self-actualization. I think that's the big part. It's just, like, that is. this is, is something that I'm deeply interested in, and it's helped develop me as a person. That's yeah. super important. I mean, it's if so, you're on a first if, date, probably don't... S- Date the entire knowledge of your D and D lore. Like save yeah. that for date four, five. Just learn learn how to market yourself. That's all we're yeah. saying. Market yourself, but like, <laughs> but seriously, like if you're passionate about something, be passionate but, about it and don't yeah. don't be ashamed of it. Like, wow, well, that's it. why I'm not ashamed about my stupid knowledge for music and shit, right? Like, I say every yeah, that's thought relatively that's head. relatively considered cool. Like ah, uh, I'm passionate about know. music is is a little bit more cool than I'm passionate about Warhammer. Oh, I'm passionate about Starcraft and fucking Destiny. <laughs> like right? I play like, I play video games and I know the lore of. <laughs> but all I'm saying is, um, you know, be passionate. Like, do it. It's not hurting anybody. And you know what the absolute best thing is that you could possibly do is that if you're passionate enough about something and if you have a good amount of work ethic and it's a marketable skill, uh, there's a low chance, but still a chance, that you could get paid to do something you're passionate about, which is like the best case scenario that you could ever hope for. And that's something that I think everyone should strive for. And if you ever found a way to market it, fucking sell that shit. Do it. Love it. Yeah. Man, like, that's about uh, as inspirational as I've D&D ever gotten nerd, on this right? podcast. Vin Diesel's a massive Dungeons and Dragons nerd. I didn't know that. Exactly, because he's not an idiot and he doesn't say it first thing out of his mouth. You know? I remember what was the first thing Vin Diesel was ever in? Like he was a model before, I think, um, wasn't he? Or something like that. He was, was in it? Saving Private Ryan. He was in Saving Private Ryan. He was the guy that gets shot uh, rescuing the French family with the letter. And yeah, then he per- was in per- per- Perfect Result. Dark, Perfect Dark, or Perfect Darkness, or no, yeah, Perfect Pitch Black or Perfect Pitch Black. Dark. That's it. Pitch Black. Per- Pitch perfect Black. Dark was a video game. That's right. Yeah. I think the first thing I ever saw him in film was was as Carpazo in 
Saving Private Ryan. And he got shot by the sniper in the bell tower. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. That's a fucking crazy movie. There's still... I can't think of any movie that even come close, comes close since. Saving Private Ryan? Yeah. To the Oof. level of shocking realism. Like, yeah, Steven Spielberg, man, he... Uh, Schindler's he, List. He set a tone Schindler's with those List. two... Well, Schindler's List was before Saving Private Ryan, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm saying there hasn't. No, I'm yeah, saying. Okay, so so Steven Spielberg, Saving Private Ryan was in a u- unique position that technology was there and the That's budget. That's what I'm saying. I get it. I get it. But it's Band of Brothers. Okay. Yes. TV show. I'm. I guess I'm thinking only film. I'm trying to figure. Yeah, but the, I, uh, what I'm trying to get, you know, I, do you know what I'm trying to get at with I that? Know, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Like uh, at the time, I mean, they had they had uh, Second World War veterans in the premiere that had to leave because it was too hard on them. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that it totally changed how a war film could and should be made. Um, but then from, he mucked it up by making it a stupid a squad sent to rescue a guy that never existed thing. What? There was a total fuck up. Oh, I would say I would say a movie afterwards was Black Hawk Down. Yeah. Okay. No, you're right. No, wait. When was Black Hawk Down? It was post Saving Private 2000, Ryan. Two thousand three. Might have been. Because it was well, ten years after Somalia, which was nineteen ninety three. Yeah, ninety three. It was when I was in high school, so 2003 sounds right. 2001. It was 2001 that came out. Mm. According yeah. To the, according to the Googlies. It is definitely up there in terms of like uh, tactical and historical accuracy, I guess, is what I've heard from uh, listening to guests, Navy SEAL guests on uh, uh, Joe Rogan's podcast. Yeah. Sorry, what were we talking about? Alright, instead of classical music, I'm going to take Cognac's tune he mentioned near the beginning. I'm going to play it for you now. The tune you're hearing is Bell Bottoms by the John Spencer Blues Explosion. It's a six-minute hard rock odyssey that takes you for a pretty intense ride, much like that film Baby Driver does. My particularly favorite part is the bass line that hits just before the halfway point, which which starts to ramp up the tempo and intensity. It really is a great track, and uh, it's, it's unfortunate that Baby Driver didn't get the attention it deserved because it really was a fantastic film. Explosion. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your weekly dose of whiskey and rocks, whether it's Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and stay tuned for more 320 Club. Bell Bottoms! Bell Bottoms!